Welcome to a new episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast. In our various episodes, we've talked a lot about conferences. We've attended conferences. Uh, we've recorded at conferences on stage, in behind the scenes. We're actually really big fans of conferences. But one thing we haven't really dived deep into is how does a conference come together? How do you organize it? What's all that work that goes in behind the scenes? And funny enough, I have, my guest today is Kayla, and we met at a conference. I know we've met on Twitter, but first time in person was meeting at Render Atlanta. So it's kind of perfect topic for us to be talking about. She also organizes Magnolia JS, and so that's going to be an excellent topic for her to cover and share some great insights. Kayla, can you give a brief introduction of who you are, what you do, and what your favorite happy hour beverage is? Yeah, I am Kayla Sween. I'm the organizer for Magnolia JS. I'm also a front-end developer, but between jobs at the moment. Um, and my favorite happy hour beverage is probably a root beer. I made a joke about that on threads recently, was that my favorite beer was root. Um, and my husband was like, that's the dumbest thing you've ever posted. And I was like, well, perfect. <laughs> It, it's like sometimes when it's like really dumb and cringy, it's actually really good. So I like exactly, it. Exactly. Exactly. You're a developer. You're dealing with the root and root beer. I like it. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, awesome. Well, it's actually just myself today from the front end happy hour panelists. So I'll give my introduction. I'm Ryan Burgess. I'm a engineering manager at Netflix. In each episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast, we like to choose a keyword that if it's mentioned at all in the episode, we will all take a drink. Kayla, what did we decide our keyword is? Organizing. Organizing, which, I mean, when you're doing a conference or event, there's a lot of organizing that goes into it. So we'll, we'll probably come up a few times. Let's dive in. Um, maybe I would love to know what even motivated you to take on organizing a conference like Magnolia JS. Well, a friend of mine, a local developer, uh, JC Hyatt, started Magnolia JS. He ran it for a couple of years and then decided like, I mean, it's a lot of work, right? So he was ready to start a family. And so he's trying to step back from doing so much. So yeah, he asked me to take it over and I didn't think about it too hard and just took, it was like, yeah, okay. And then I was like, I'll figure it out later. Right. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, that's, that's really how. Magnolia JS came to me. I love that too. Like sometimes those things, they just fall in your lap and you're like, I'll figure it out later. That's me most of the time. Yeah. And I'm sure it took a lot of figuring out too in the long run. Oh yeah. Still, still is taking a lot of figuring out. Like this will be my third year. I was just going to ask. So it's your third year doing Magnolia JS. How, how long is Magnolia JS running? Uh, this will be its fifth year. Cool. And it's coming October... 17th and 18th. 17th and 18th. I knew it was the middle and I'm like, what were the dates? Awesome. So yes, which tickets are still available if people are wanting to attend. Tickets will be available, I think, until like the day before the conference, but like two weeks before the price will go up. So right now it's $200 and it'll go up to $300 on like, I can't remember when it was set to sometime in early October. <laughs> so basically get your tickets now. That'll make my life a lot easier if you get your tickets now because I'll know what to tell the caterers. <laughs> well, that's good too. Like, yeah, you have to think about all the all the logistics on that side of things. So yeah, I mean, what are some of the things as you're right in the thick of it because it's coming up, but what are things that you think about from kind of the early days to like right up until where it's right before the conference? 
Yeah, I think the first thing we really start thinking about is trying to get sponsorships because if we don't have sponsors, we don't have a conference. So that's like, that's something we try to focus on earlier on. Plus that takes a lot of time. If we have big businesses that are sponsoring, it's got to work through whatever systems they've got going on. Purchase orders have to be submitted, whatever. Um, so that's probably the first thing we do. Um, along with that, along in the same timeline. So I'm thinking like a year out for this kind of stuff, a year to at, at least six months out, I guess. So um, in that time frame, it's like getting event venues together, um, like trying to get, trying to start thinking about speakers, uh, figuring out what we're going to do, if we're going to have a CFP, if we're going to invite people. Um, yeah, I think those are the, the big things. And of course, like that's like high level. It's also like the little details that you start going, okay, like logistics of even dealing with speakers going back and forth and like figuring out like what they're talking about, how long. And like, even just on an individual level, I think of the many times I've spoken at conferences and where I'm going back and forth with an organizer, I'm like, oh yeah, you're doing that. Like 20 other times or 30, depending on how many speakers are there. I'm like, it adds up quickly. Yeah. And, and as, as a speaker myself too, like, I mean, it's like herding cats, right? Like (laughs) trying to get everybody to like answer questions about stuff. And, um, especially if we're paying for travel, which we did last year, uh, we're not going to be able to afford to this year, but whenever we were paying for travel last year, it was like trying to get everybody to give me all their information so I could, you know, book flights, book their hotels, um, everything just, yeah. You want to make, do that ahead of time so that you lock that in, that they're coming, everything's good. Also budget wise, you're like, how much money are we spending on all of these little things that add up quickly? Exactly. Okay. That, that makes a lot of sense into some of the logistics. What's one of the most challenging things that you've kind of have that you almost dread now? Cause you've done it three years, right? Like what's the one thing you're like, oh, I just dread doing this every single time. What's the hardest thing? spending all the money that we have to spend because <laughs> like <laughs> so the hardest thing the hardest part of like organizing in general for me is getting sponsorships and I don't know I, I mean I don't know if it's because I'm a terrible salesperson or like if it's because like you know because we're based in Jackson Mississippi um and that's very important to me to keep it in yeah. Jackson yeah and so it's like and also we're like a smaller community conference and so a lot of uh, potential sponsors will look at how how many attendees we've had in the past and they just like you know they're like oh we're we're looking at like thousands of attendee events not 150 right um but yeah so the hardest thing for me is like getting those sponsorships and just like part of it is an like I feel weird asking for money kind of situation uh but also uh like yeah it's just it's a lot like applying for jobs in that you'll just like be sending out cold emails after cold email. You'll be filling out like, I mean, a lot of times I have to fill out sales forms because there's no contact information on a site. And so I'll just fill out their sales form. Um, and sometimes I'll hear back, but I would say it's less than 10%. Um, That's, yeah, I can just imagine like the amount of back and forth that you have to do just on that. And it's not like you're, oh, I'll hear back in three days or something, or next week I'll have hearing back whether I got it or not. You're just kind of hoping you hear back, period. Exactly. How do you choose which companies that you're deciding that would be good sponsors? 
Uh, mostly spray and pray. Like, just like, I mean, I just like <laughs> I blast out his emails to everybody. Um, Cause you never know. You never know if yeah. somebody's going to say no. And like the worst thing they could do is say no. Right. But uh, a lot of times I'll just reach out to other companies that I know, like have sponsored events or if I see somebody like, or if I'll get uh, Twitter ads for certain companies, then I'll like go to their Twitter or go to their page or something. And I'll try to get them to sponsor um but yeah those those are those are my big ways i guess of doing that a lot other ways is mostly like me meeting people for at conferences who speak who like both who speak and work at other companies and stuff like that i'll ask them if they're interested in or if their company's interested in sponsoring i need to send out an email to speakers because that's what i'm meant to do (laughs) like last week was send out an email and see if any of them if their companies would be interested in sponsoring so the uh like, I don't know what her title is technically, but she founded the uh, Nationally CIFA. She founded the Bean Path uh, in Jackson, Mississippi, which is like a tech nonprofit to try to get people like part of it's like trying to get people to be more like tech literate in the area. And part of it's like just kind of helping people with their computers or whatever. I know Natter Dabbit's doing something this week, like doing more coding focused stuff, but talking about GPT and chat GPT. Um, but anyway, like she told me to just reach out to like even non-tech companies and see how, cause you never know, you never know who, who would be interested. So, yeah. I mean, you, like you said, you're cold calling. So it's like, yeah, exactly. I mean, if someone responds great, if they don't, I mean, yeah, what's the worst you hear is no. I also like the approach of even just asking the speakers or people that you meet at conferences, because a lot of our companies, they're open to sponsoring. They have, you know, they may have budgets that may be used up, but maybe sure. they don't. And there is value in asking them or they're like, maybe next year. And like that could, you know, come back to help you in the long run too. I have gotten a couple of those, a couple of the ones that I've like filled out the sales form for, they were like, not this year, but we have heard of you before and we are interested in doing it next year. And I was like, ah, oh. Great. Like, <laughs> right on. Well, I mean, you could also go on a podcast and just like ask if anyone's listening, like, hey, would your company like to sponsor Magnolia JS? You know, if, if only there was an opportunity like that around. <laughs> you have to look for that one. I'm not sure how that's going to happen, but hey, you know, there might be someone out there. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So after doing, you know, three years of, of this planning and executing on conference what are the biggest lessons takeaways that you have that you know if if others were to attempt this what are things that you would share uh to don't do it i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) i'm not surprised to hear you say that because yeah i'm sure it's one of those things that it's a big endeavor it is it's huge i would say like don't don't even start to think or fathom that you can do it on your own um because that's like, there's just so much that goes into it. And like the first year I did it, uh, I, the first year I ran it, it was virtual and it still was like so much work. And it was just me and my husband working on all of it. Um, last year it was mostly me and my husband, you know, working our full-time jobs, doing the organizing on top of that. Oh, cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Surprised I caught that. It was a good catch. But yeah, doing that on top of our full-time jobs. Um, and last year I like, I mean, I just realized I could not do it anymore. I can't, you know, I just don't have time. I don't, there's not enough hours in the day to do as much stuff that needs to get done. 
Um, and last year I'd procrastinated a lot too. So I was like, oh, there's plenty of time to do, you know, everything. And then, you know, all of a sudden it was like three months until the conference. <laughs> so um, thankfully a friend of mine who like has a marketing background, she has been like helping out a lot. Um, because yeah, she's a, she's a stay at home mom right now. And she's like, yes, please give me things to do. Cause like, she really like really wanted to help. And yeah, she, uh, she's been, it's been a huge help just having her like both reaching out to people because that's another thing is like, again, I'm weird about asking people for money. Like asking people for help in general is always hard for me. Um, you know, something I'm going through in therapy, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> I'm getting better. Um, but yeah, having her like kind of taking charge on a lot of that, especially reaching out to local um, companies, because like she's very much a somebody who will repeatedly follow up and like she'll go into businesses and be like, hey, I need to talk to whoever's in charge here. Like, that's amazing to have a person like that on your team. I'm very much similar to you where I'm like, I don't like asking for money. I don't really like asking for help too much either. It's it's hard. It's like, oh, I'll just kind of power through it myself. Exactly. And even if I'm failing and struggling, it's like, yeah, I'll just keep going. Same. Yeah. Uh, listeners do not do what no. <laughs> what we're saying we do. <laughs> Please ask people for help. I, I like that because, you know, I've never planned a conference. That is always something I've thought would be in some ways, maybe fun and entertaining, but also I know how much goes into it that also scares me. But I have done fairly large events that I've done, whether it be just like meetups and things like that, especially at Netflix. There was an event I was running for a while. This was before the pandemic. The pandemic kind of put a wrench in that where I was like, yeah, I don't want to try and do this remotely. But we were doing like, I think it was about quarterly, we were doing this JavaScript talks where we would either have Netflix speak, mostly it was Netflix engineers speak, but oftentimes we didn't maybe even have guests uh, from other companies too. It was great. Like I loved doing it. And that's on a small scale for, you know, what you had to deal with. But it's dealing with food, making sure you have that drinks, making sure there's enough drinks. Like there was one day I remember we were running out. So I was jumping in the car and driving to like Safeway to, to deal with that. And to the speaking to help thing, I started to get help over time. And I very much appreciated that and wish I asked for help earlier. We had an events team that was helping me in the long run. Not only were they so helpful taking care of a lot of those things, they did 10x the better job than I did. So it was it was really great having that. It's funny how that works whenever you get people who like do that as their entire job. Like they're so much better at it than somebody who doesn't. Yeah, like even saying your friend doing the marketing side of things where you're like, she goes into the business, she will straight up ask, she will follow up and keep on that. It's like, yeah, because you have to do those things, but you learn those things through failure as you're trying to dive in. I don't know how to do this. Don't know how to run an event. Well, I'll just try it. And it's it's not as simple as you think either. No, uh, it's it's certainly not. And I know you mentioned like trying to do stuff during the pandemic too. And it was like, so yeah, the first time I read it, it, it was virtual. Uh, and so I, and it was like 2021, right? So like people did not give a shit about doing virtual events anymore. Like people didn't care about like, watching them sponsors did not care about sponsoring them like those kind of things but I was like I was talking to um Gant Laborde who is I don't remember what his title is officially at Infinite Red but is 
one of the head guys at Infinite Red runs Chain React in Portland. Um, yeah, he was like, I was I was on a call with him and like just kind of talking about ideas and stuff. He was like, it would be a fantastic idea for you to like send out swag to people. Um, since you know nobody cares about virtual events anymore, people don't really like feel like they're a part of an event when it's virtual. They just kind of feel like they're watching a YouTube playlist. Yeah, like yeah. So he came up with the idea for like sending swag to people and so that was that was why we did that so we sent out shirts to people like i had magnolia shirts made like it was like it was a regular conference um this dot lab sent us a bunch of swag like so we my husband and i packaged up like a thousand sticker order or not sticker orders but like you know swag things with stickers and mugs and shirts and everything and it was all free to the attendees so that's really cool i like that because it does start to try and marry the like virtual to like the old well i mean now we're back in person which is great but yeah. like at that time it was like it just never felt like virtual events felt real like it's like you said you're just watching like a youtube channel it's it's really hard to to make it feel like a community around it which is a big part of the whole conference scene is community exactly yeah and i feel like uh and then, like we also had uh, virtual coffee helping us out like do i don't know if you've heard of virtual coffee but they like they have these meetups uh, every tuesday and thursday and it's just like a way for people to get together and i think it was started like early on in the pandemic just as a way for developers to talk to each other and whatever like just so that you don't feel as isolated. And so virtual coffee helped us out. We had like lunch tables with them to like get people together and they could have little groups and there were topics that they would talk about and things like that. So just little ways to get just little things like that to kind of bring people together when it seemed like it, it, when it was just getting harder to, I guess. I like that though, too, is like there again, you were leaning on someone who's, you're like, you've been doing some of this. Like, what have you learned? How do we do this virtually? And so that's cool too, that you even were able to lean on someone else who's been working and doing that. Exactly. Did you, I'm curious on the virtual side of things, did you have speakers pre-record their talks or did they talk live? I think we had a mix. Um, I think a few people did pre-record, but um, some people did it live too. I'm still not sure what's... Actually, no, I know what's better. It's better to just do it live because the pre-recorded ones, I've had to do that. And you agonize over... You're like, I should yes. re-record re that. Uh, no, that, that wasn't good. I'm going to do that. And it takes so much longer when really it probably would have just been okay to do it live. So I've started doing like these little videos of like days in the life of organizing a conference uh i've seen a couple they're great yeah. yes and like uh, posting them on tiktok posting them on twitter um and i i'll write out a script and i cannot tell you how many times i will do just the first bit of that script <laughs> over and over and over again and it's just like I mean, it, it takes me way longer to do that than it does to probably record all the things throughout the day and uh, actually like stitch them together. It's just, and having done one pre-recorded talk, it was the same way, just like agonizing over every little bit of it. Yeah, it feels weird doing it. I, I did, I think it was actually during the pandemic, I started doing these small like and I purposely like I had to be I think I set myself it had to be under two minutes or something but these little manager video clips that were just giving advice 
And I remember thinking at first, I was like, oh, I can just read a script. So similar to you, I was like, I started doing that and realizing I would mess up and like screw up what I was trying to say. And so I ended up pretty much just dropping the script. I would, I would still write up roughly what I wanted to say, but then just kind of read it and go, all right, just say it. And most of the times I was able to do it in one or two takes just doing that. That worked a lot better. But yeah, when you're agonizing over every word, it's so it's so hard to do. It's so hard to do. Yeah, it's like uh, now it's having done, I think, two or three of those. I've started just like, I guess, having l- less and less notes as I go on and just kind of winging it because like that's I mean, that's tech that's pretty much what I do for conference talks too, is like, I'll practice it and practice it. And like the, the last one that I do it on stage is always the best one. And I'm just like saying whatever the hell comes into my mind. <laughs> I'm like rarely talking about what I did in practice. Yeah. Cause you're, you're writing through it enough times that you have a gist of what you want to deliver. And quite frankly, it's probably going to come across as a better talk too, right? Like it, exactly. it honestly, the delivery is more casual. You're saying it what you need to say, but it's not, yeah, it doesn't feel like you're reading off of something, which is huge. Yeah. It's not exactly. forced. That's a good way to put it. So, so we've talked about sponsors, obviously a lot of work there and getting them. And then if you don't have enough, you're like, all right, well, we've got to cut back on budgets and, and things like that. I was just going to say, yeah. And, uh, for us, it's been like, well, you know, we'll cut back some stuff, but it's like, I, I, to me, it's the most important thing is attendee experience, like period, the end. And so like last year, I mean, we paid out of pocket. My husband and I paid out oh, of wow. pocket to run the event. Um, likely will this year, just because, you know, everybody's laying off everybody now and it's just, it's a hard financial situation. Um, so yeah, but it's, like making sure everybody has a great time is the most important thing to me. Um, and like making sure everybody's fed well is also the most important thing to me, because if you're going to come to Mississippi, if you're going to come to the South, then you, you ain't going to leave hungry. So no, that's like, that's a good selling point itself right there. Exactly. It's like good food. I know I need to post more pictures of the food because the food was incredible. Like I don't feel like I'm tooting my own horn with that or anything because like, you know, we, we we had caterers, local caterers do it, but it was, the food was awesome. I was like, as soon as we started organizing and like having in-person events, oh, cheers again. Cheers. But as soon as we went back into in-person, like I knew I was like, I did not want to just feed people like box lunches or sandwiches or like fast food or anything like that. Just like wanted to make sure that they ate really well because like, I mean, if you're in the South, like there's tons of food around you. You can go to a gas station and you're going to have the best food you've ever had in your life around here. Like it's so uh, good. It's so good. And so like, I can't, I can't just feed people whatever. Like I'm, I want to make sure that they have like an actual Southern experience. And as a Southern woman, I just cannot let people go hungry. But that was related to that. That was something I dropped the ball on last year was, uh, well, making sure people had coffee throughout the day. Okay, that's always important. In surveys. So uh, if you went to last year's event, I'm so sorry. And we will have coffee all day this year. That's like top priority. Uh, But the second thing was like dietary restrictions. That was something like we had vegan food, but that was the only thing I had thought about beforehand. I didn't think about nut allergies and gluten allergies and all that. And like, I was like, oh my God, there's some things that people potentially just can't eat. Um, and so that like 
hurt me in my soul. <laughs> they like, you know, people, people came and like, I mean, that's, that's always a thing around here too, is like you go visit family or anything. It's like, even if you weren't hungry going in, you, you need to be ready to eat. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I just felt, felt like a bad Mississippian at that point. I love how you're reflecting on that though, too. And just saying like, it's, it's those lessons you learn as you do, right? Like there's so many little details to think about that something as simple as coffee can absolutely be overlooked. Maybe you're not even a coffee drinker. And I think that can happen too, where you're like, ah, I don't think people need it that bad. But then you, you know, have the conference and people are looking for their coffee. They're crashing after lunch. They're like needing that coffee. So, oh, and especially after our lunch, like (laughs) people were definitely like, how am I supposed to go on? (laughs) Yeah, that's that's a good point. And yeah, and I haven't worked in an office in four years. So like, since like, I mean, I I'd quit my job before the the pandemic even to like go remote again. And so like, I forgot that people do just drink coffee constantly throughout the day. Uh, Because I have my one cup in the morning and I'm like, I don't not not even really because I need it anymore just because it's habit and like, that's just my routine. Yeah, just didn't even think about it. We did have energy drinks, but it's not the same as coffee. No, it's and like, that's the thing is you'll have the coffee drinkers like, nope, don't drink energy drinks. I need my coffee or or vice versa. Like there's people who are just having their energy drink and not coffee. It's just it's funny how that goes. I have been to. I think it was like one conference I remember where they didn't have coffee the first year. And I thought that was off and weird. And then the second year they did, but it's like, that's just what happens. Right. And I'm not a huge coffee drinker. I mean, I'm similar to you. I drink it pretty much. No, I I drink it every day at least once. And that enough, I remember going early and being like, where's the coffee? It wasn't that big deal. I could go to like the coffee shop next door or something but yeah it's those little things i mean for us it was tragic because they're like thankfully that is changing this year but before like last year there was not anything in downtown there's not a coffee shop in downtown because i mean there's like there's a lot of things that just like had moved out of downtown jackson uh over the years for we won't go into all of mississippi's politics (laughs) but there's a multitude of reasons and so, yeah, but thankfully we do have a coffee shop coming in, in downtown. I think it's supposed to open maybe this month or next month. So it'll be good and fresh by the time the conference comes around. Which is perfect too. Cause you're like, we'll have coffee for you, but there's also a coffee shop if you need to go somewhere Just else. Three too. blocks away. That's perfect. I love that. Very cool. So we've talked about the sponsors, speakers, how do you how do you take that approach? Is it similar where you're hitting up people? Are you, do you have a CFP? Um, yeah. How do you approach getting speakers to the conference or do you try and target having certain types of talks or I'd love to kind of hear more how you think about that. So, uh, all the above. Okay. (laughs) I love that. That's good. Uh, yeah. Uh, so in previous years I was just reaching out to people, um, which in hindsight was a terrible idea because I already don't like asking for help. And like, I know that going and like speaking is a lot of work cause I've done it. And so like asking people to do that for me, for the conference, like, yeah, that was probably a terrible idea. That's probably why I would put it off, uh, way too long is <laughs> like, is because of that. But last year we decided to do a CFP being, you know, a, I, and I was the only person that went through the CFPs. I like, I did a final like pass with my husband 
Um, and I guess I will also say my husband is a technical uh, person too. So like, right. Yes. Manager, I so. didn't know that, but it's good for the audience to know this too. That's right, a good point. Right. Yeah. He's not just some rando that's like going through stuff with me. Um, yeah. He actually has worked in the field uh, for longer than I have, but yeah. So this year we did a CFP did are, are trying to do like more having the CFP, I guess, gave us the ability to uh, have more variety talks um, because before I would just invite people and I'd be like, I don't care whatever the hell you want to talk about. Just talk about it. Like I trust you because I know you've spoken at conferences before and I'm, you know, whatever. And like a couple of times I would invite somebody that was a new speaker and just because I knew them. Um, but I wanted to like open it up, give more people a chance this year. So did a CFP. Um, we had like 300 submissions, um, which was insane. Uh, yeah, so I went through a lot of them. Uh, unfortunately, we had to like go through and kind of weed people out based on if they needed travel cover, just because we knew we knew how like all the layoffs have gone throughout 2023. That like it, we just were not going to be able to do that this year. Yeah, went through that. Like we had to t- tell so many people no. It's like so many people that had such amazing talks. No, uh, it was, it's like, it's heartbreaking. And I'm hoping that those people will like reapply next year. Cause like, yeah, having a CFE was like, it just made my life a lot easier. I didn't have to hound speakers for information. I didn't have to try to get their headshots. I didn't have to try to get talk titles or details or whatever. And it's like, if they decided they wanted to change their talk later, that's fine. You know, just they, they they come to me and let me know, right? I don't have to go chase that information down from them. It's not the polling, like, where you're like, I need a talk title. Unknown is not going to fly, you know, two days before the conference. Please give me a talk title. Or at least you're like, exactly. if you want that change, tell me. I will do that. Exactly. So doing a CFP was great. There, I mean, there are people I still ask to speak or, like, I would just have a conversation with and I'd be like, okay, here's the link. Like, if you really do want to speak, then like, you know, just because we use Sessionize and like almost every speaker already has stuff on Sessionize. So, um, you know, if you do want to speak, just go ahead and, you know, stick your talk in there, whatever, and we'll we'll get you in. That's really cool. How many speakers will you have this year? We had we've had two dropouts so far, um, which is expected. You always have some. Yeah. I unfortunately expect this year to be a bit more because of layoffs. We actually just had one, I think yesterday that dropped out because of layoffs. Um, So their company wasn't going to be able to pay for it anymore. So now we have 22, I think, which is still a lot, but we overbooked because we, last year we very much underbooked, I guess, speakers. And I think we had four or five drop out, mostly in the last week before the event. So that was a little stressful, but I was like, you know what? That just means people have more breaks and more opportunity to talk to other people. It's not a big deal because I like to have a lot of breaks in too. Um, That way it's just not, things don't feel as rushed, I guess. And it's like, if you need to get up, go to the bathroom or get a drink or get a snack or whatever, like you've got time to do that between talks and you're not, okay, let me hurry up and go do all this stuff before I come back, you know, because the next talk is, starting immediately after the one before it and or I can't go talk to the sponsors who have booths set up and are giving out swag because there's no time to like those kind of things so I just like to bake in a lot of time for people to go do all that stuff I actually really appreciate that too at conferences as much as I really love the talks like that is absolutely you know 
great seeing people speak on whatever topic it is. One of my favorite things is likely the networking piece of it too, where you're just like that hallway track where you're having that time to just meet and talk with people. I mean, that's how you and I met was, you know, in between talks at, at Render Atlanta. And those are, I think some of the best times to do that. You can relate to a talk that you maybe just saw, have a conversation around it. And so I think that's good. And it does give people that break. It's it's hard too when you're sitting back to back to back to back talks, even if they're just small breaks in between, it's, it's hard to digest that all too. Exactly. And like the talks are super important because it's like, you know, you get exposed to new ideas and whatever, but I feel like the biggest part of going to a conference. Cause like, especially nowadays, like most talks are recorded. That's true. You can always catch it later, which I don't know how much people do. I always wonder like how many people actually go see them after. I feel like I, like, I think at render in particular this year, I went to two or three talks total <laughs> across both days. Um, and so I went and like, I think they just posted. Yeah, they did. The yeah. Uh, so I'm going to go back and watch them now. And there are a few that I wanted to like, that I did actually catch that I wanted to send to other people. But yeah, given that all, all the talks are like recorded, they will be for Magnolia too. And you also go to our YouTube channel and see previous years. Um, but I feel like the most important thing when you are in person is like talking to other people because it's like, I mean, that that's why I'm doing this is like to allow local developers and like even developers beyond the local area to network with other people and like especially and that's why we wanted to keep it really small because it's way easier to network when there aren't 3,000 people around um it's easier to like actually have meaningful conversations I guess so like yeah Magnolia is never going to be one of these like thousands of attendee conferences just because that's not I don't see the value in it as much and so i mean if we were just like having people just forcing them to you know go to talks and that was it maybe i would but um i just don't see the point in it yeah having those meaningful conversations like i i mean i know one person that got a job from magnolia last year that's so cool i love yeah, that yeah i've definitely gotten jobs from like speaking at conferences from going to conferences meeting people at conferences so i mean it's that's it's so important to do that because like those are the kind of things that will actually change people's lives yeah it's like especially in this area like wages in mississippi are like traditionally really depressed and so like getting people talking to other companies out of state being able to work remote like getting paid like actual tech money i guess that's I mean, that's why I do this. So many companies are hiring remote. And so that exactly. it's like, you don't have to necessarily move to go get that salary, which is amazing. Like you, I very much appreciate the conferences for just being able to talk with people and meet people. I mean, I've hired many people from because of going to conferences, but even, yeah, just the networking, I have probably laundry list of things where I'm like, yeah, if it wasn't for that conference, I wouldn't have met this person and we wouldn't have been able to do X, Y, and Z. And you just don't really know. And I think that's the cool thing. I love, we didn't really even touch on like your motivations for it, but for me, that's something that resonated with me. You saying that, that it's like, it's almost building that community and really, you know, pulling people together. 
I enjoy that factor. And then even when you get the hearing like, oh, so-and-so got a job because of that, or these two met and did something because of that conference, it's all those things pulling people together. It's so meaningful in that sense. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And like, it just absolutely warms my heart to hear stuff like that. And like, I mean, I've, I've even met some of like, so like really incredible people that I've like become friends with and like, unfortunately I mostly only see them at conferences, but, but yeah, it's like, I mean, just some of the, some of the best people I've ever met in my life I've met at conferences. Um, and it's like, if I hadn't started going to conferences, if I hadn't started speaking at conferences or whatever, like I never would have, I never would have met any of these. No, I echo those same feelings. I think I've even met, I know there's been many times actually I've met a lot of Netflix engineers at conferences. I'm like, this is weird. Cool. We're meeting for the first time. Uh, it's happened like quite a few times. So it's like, it is cool. It's like, there's something about the conference bringing people together. So I love that you're dedicating that time and effort to do that. I also, we didn't go deep on the, you keeping it small, but I love the smaller conferences too. I think you feel more of that community. You know, you and I are both at Render Atlanta, which was completely different than that i really enjoyed the conference and was that your first year that was my first year actually at okay. render atlanta yeah that last this year was like very different from previous years so i've been every year uh because justin samuels uh he was the he was a speaker with me at the first magnolia um and also we went to the same college so oh my god that's so cool and of course yeah. justin's the organizer of render at atl tickets are on sale now for that too so you should absolutely go <laughs> yeah that's the thing is like i almost like hearing you talk about it, you're like it's like a good six months maybe a year out i'm like yeah you're basically throwing the event and then turning around and planning for the next year and and i saw justin doing that where even talking to some of us who were speakers yeah you're interested in speaking again next year and it's like you're not done this year, but it's like, yeah, you got to start talking through start. that now. Exactly. Well, yeah. And it's like, especially for higher profile speakers, it's like, unless they are just really interested in coming to speak, then you have to get them on the books early. Cause like they, they're, they're going to go ahead and get stuff scheduled out like a year in advance, whatever. Um, so yeah, just if, if you want somebody to speak very badly, then you need to get them on, on the schedule. Yeah, I got lucky. Yeah, we got a couple like I guess higher profile people that submitted to the CFP, and also so Angie Jones is speaking this year, and like she just happened to be talking to somebody about Magnolia on Twitter, and I was like, hey, do you want to do you want to come? Because she's close. She's just in New Orleans, and that's like a two and a half hour drive away, which is perfect. Yeah, and I met Angie at Render. Awesome. There's another person. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. No, that's cool. I love that. You've shared some reflections and, you know, before we dive into picks, like I would love, to, you know, what are, what's some like lasting advice that you would give some of our listeners who are like, I'm going to run an event. Maybe it's not a full-blown conference. Maybe it's just a meetup or things like that. I think it's great thing to do. You learn a lot from it, but yeah, what can ease their way into it? Maybe like help them not make the same mistakes that you've had to maybe go through. Uh, well, First thing I would definitely say is, because I've heard some people saying that they want to organize an event and they've never actually been to a conference. So, so oh, yeah, first attend one. That's a go, good call. Go to, go to a conference first, for sure. I would recommend going to one that's smaller just so that you can kind of see more, I guess. Like, I think it's more obvious the things that are happening when you're at a smaller conference. Like it, the pieces yes. that go into it are a little bit more clear rather than when you're at like someplace like Render where it's a, it's a production, right? 
Um, so it's harder to kind of see those moving pieces. That would probably be my first thing. My second thing would be have people help you. <laughs> have, like work with other people either locally or not. Like find find a team of people to help you work on the event. That is still something I struggle with. That's still something I like constantly talk about how I need to do is like tap on more people locally to help me run this one. And like, yeah, if, if I've got a job next year before the next Magnolia, that's definitely something I'm going to have to do. But yeah, I think those are the two biggest things. It's just like trying to pay attention, maybe even try to like volunteer at an event. That would probably be a good thing too, is if you could volunteer um, to help out with an event, see if, um, see if that's something you would be interested in. Cause you'll kind of get more, I mean, granted, it'll probably be like just the day of and of the event kind of stuff, but you'll have a little bit more insight as to what goes on with actually running the event that day. I mean, running the event in the day is like that in itself is such an experience that maybe I'll even speak to things that I've learned over doing various events is like even something that you'd mentioned that I'll highlight is have backup plans. Like it's always good to kind of have, maybe it's a a panel discussion that you can pull together if a speaker doesn't show up or technical difficulties, try and iron those out as early as possible. You know, all those little things that can just happen. It's like, be prepared. Just think of the worst thing that can happen and how are you going to handle it? Going ahead of that and thinking through those can go a long way. I think another thing I would say is lean on others like you'd mentioned to help, but also lean on others who've done this, right? People will share advice. You're sharing a lot of amazing advice on this podcast. People are open to sharing like how to do these things or things that they've learned. So I think just reaching out to people who've done that and getting their advice can go a long way too. So those things. And then you're going to make mistakes. That's okay. You'll learn from them. You will make mistakes. I mean, it's just like, it's just like everything. I mean, you're not a senior until you've broken production, until you've taken down production, right? So like, it's <laughs> it's just those kind of things. You're you're not going to be a great conference organizer unless you mess some stuff up. I do have a story about planning for things too, because it's like, so this we're in Jackson, Mississippi. Two weeks before the event last year, Jackson's Water made national news of just like, well, I mean, I had a lot of people asking if we even had water here. What? Um, <laughs> like, yeah, we, yeah, we had water. So, like, what happened? Like, there was an issue with the water, or yeah, so there's there's been decades of, of issues with the water. So that was like, yeah, that was a weird thing to have to explain to people that this wasn't a new thing, and I don't think it made anybody feel any better. Like, whatever they would ask me if it was okay to come to the event, it's like, well, I mean, it's it's just as okay now as it was before. Um, but yeah, so we had a lot of flooding in the area two, two, two weeks before the event. So the local reservoir, I believe like flooded a water treatment plant. So yeah, a lot of like Jackson had water issues. Some of them lost pressure. I think some areas of Jackson lost water completely, but I don't, I don't know how widespread that was. It, It wasn't as many people as it sounded like on the news. Um, no, nobody I knew lost water. Also, the the venues that we used never lost water pressure at all. Um, so, like the hotel, the Museum of Art, which is where we we hosted the event last year in Oregon this year, the after party venue, none of them lost water. But that was something that we had already planned for. We'd already planned for water issues in Jackson because, like, unfortunately, that's just the p- part of it. So we ordered a pallet of water uh, 
to to my house. So that was that was cool getting that uh having an 18 wheeler driving through my neighborhood, driving all the pallet of water. And yeah, we we knew we weren't gonna use all of it. Um, because it's just like I think we had we had less than a hundred attendees last year, um, which is another story. I think having COVID restrictions in 2022, like I was yeah, tough. We required masks and testing um, last year, but yeah, we knew we weren't going to get through all that water. So we had already planned to like donate whatever was left over. So we took it around to the nonprofits in the area, took it, dropped off at distribution pubs, I guess. And just planning for things like that, making sure people have water. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) okay. There's another lesson is, but even just the being flexible, you know, thinking through, okay, how am I going to deal with this and everything? So yeah, you might be out of water that could very well happen. So prepare. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, it's probably a good time for us to dive into picks. In each episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast, we like to share things with our listeners of things that we find interesting, could be relevant to the topic. Maybe not. Doesn't matter. Kayla, what uh, do you have to share with our listeners? Uh, so my first pick is Magnolia JS, obviously. Uh, <laughs> and I've also got a discount code too. Oh, nice. Yeah. So if you're listening in, you can get another 10% off. So it's already $200, which is probably the cheapest conference you'd ever go to anyway. Um, and then 10% off of that. So that's front end HH-10. Awesome. So get 10% off. Yeah. My second pick, I had a lot of things that I was just like trying to- Building up. I love it. <laughs> so many things. I'll just list them all. It's fine. Uh, so uh, none of them, none of the other ones are related to tech, really. <laughs> uh, but uh, Goodles, I don't know if you've ever tried Goodles, but they're incredible. So I'm I'm a child. I love mac and cheese. And so Goodles are like protein mac and cheese. Oh, that's actually pretty cool. Yeah, there's a Bonza, there's Bonza too. And that one is not as good, but the Goodles- Amazing. They have a hatch chili one too. Fantastic. My next pick <laughs> uh, is probably Fall is Fallout 76. I've been ha- having a lot of fun playing that. I know a lot of people like stop playing. I don't know if you're a gamer, but uh, I I don't play as much video games now as you know. Ha- having small children is taking too much time, but I, it, <sighs> it's it. it's more of an excuse. But it's also like you just. Yeah, I haven't prioritized that. I think that's a better way to put it. Exactly. But yeah, if you've tried Fallout 76 when it came out and you were like, wow, this really sucks. Um, it doesn't suck anymore. So yeah, they, they, they fixed it and it's actually fun now. And my last pick will be Superhuman, which is an email client. It's, it's been saving my life. Uh, just like reminding me to follow up on emails. It's just so nice having like that inbox zero picture um, <laughs> like, I, I feel like it's just in general less overwhelming than just seeing a ton of even read emails all the time. I was skeptical whenever people were talking about it on Twitter and I was like, $30 a month? I don't know oh, about that. That is pretty steep. But if it's, it's like, steep. if it's bringing you like that, reducing that anxiety, I mean, it could be worth it. I've been it. converted. I'm a believer now. Wow. Yeah, highly recommend it. They have a yearly plan too, and it'll make it cheaper. I like that. That's a good pick. I just have one pick, which is a a snack. So it's like kind of going to be in like a kid because it reminds me of one of my favorite snacks as a kid. My wife bought a tub of these, and I was like, man, these are great again. But they're like Bala Jumbo Sour Suckers. They're like the Sour Soothers Jumbo things. I don't know. I ate them a lot as a kid, and damn, they're still good as an adult. I don't think I've ever seen those. I also feel like I don't see them much 
in at least in California. I'm not. I'm, but I don't think I see them in the U.S. much. I grew up in Canada. I definitely saw them a lot more in like Seven Elevens and various like stores like that. And so it's funny, like I don't see them regularly. And so she had just randomly had ordered them for me. Probably super unhealthy, not good for you, but delicious. I mean, if if it makes your like, you know, if it, I guess if it's it brought your me mind, joy. If it brings you joy, then it's worth it. It's totally exactly. worth it. exactly well Kayla it was awesome having you on like so great to kind of hear your experience and I mean good luck with Magnolia JS this year I know it's coming up it will come up before you know it so I'm happy to hear you're planning your way into that where can people get in touch with you uh you can find me at underscore Kayla Sween at on Twitter I'm on blue sky I'm on like all of the Twitter knockoffs too um so so, yeah I think I'm on blue sky at uh Kayla dot O-O-O on threads at Kayla Sunrise. And that's also my Instagram handle. Uh, if you go to my Instagram, it'll just be a lot of like uh, old powerlifting videos. But yeah, and thanks. Thank you for having me. You know, a uh, longtime listener, first time caller. So I love that. That's even better is when you've like listened to the podcast. You're like, all right, now I'm joining. That's great. Yeah. Thank you all for listening to our episode. Hopefully you learned a lot about conferences behind the scenes. You can follow us on Twitter at FrontendHH and really subscribe to us on whatever you like to listen to uh, podcasts on. Kayla, any last words? Just, I also forgot to mention magnoliajs.com. The, the whole, you know, the whole reason why we were talking. <laughs> so yeah, you'll be able to find the links to the tickets there so you can use your discount code. What was the discount code just in case people forgot? FrontendHH-10. Uh, other than that, organizing. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>